This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's Jesse Temple from The Athletic. Badgers fall 35-31 to LSU in the ReliaQuest Bowl. It was a fun back-and-forth game. I shouldn't say fun. Depends on your point of view, of course. But Wisconsin put up a lot of points, and so did LSU. A lot of yards. Nearly uh, a thousand yards between the two teams, so it was at least entertaining in that respect. Wisconsin comes up on the uh, wrong end of a 35-31 win to close out the season. The first for Luke Fickle at seven and six, the exact same record as they had last year. We'll get into perhaps longer term thinking here, Jesse, in a minute, but I want to talk about the game because uh, there were obviously some things that people saw that they didn't like. There's some things that people saw that they did like. Uh, But I think we'll start with the things we did like. And the the one big thing that I did like was Tanner Mordecai. His final final game as a Badger, 378 yards. It's the fifth most in Wisconsin history. Throws for three touchdowns. Was uh, on the mark a lot in the first half, especially on some of the deep throws that they had. This was the type of performance... Maybe not every game that we were expecting from Tanner Mordecai this year, but a whole lot more of this than we saw, than than we actually ended up seeing. He was outstanding, and he really went out with a bang, the final drive notwithstanding. But you talk about his performance, 378 yards is the fifth most in a single game in program history for Wisconsin, and he had 219 of those yards in the first half and all three of his touchdown passes. The offense was rolling early. It was only the second time all season that the Badgers scored a touchdown on their first offensive drive. The other game was Purdue way back in September to open Big Ten play, but he gave you everything that he had. He has the running ability, the passing ability showed up, and I thought it was interesting after the game. We don't see Luke Fickle get emotional. I I honestly don't know that I can recall any instance in his year here, but he had to hold back tears when he was talking about Tanner and what he meant to the team that this season and he joked that he's not always in favor of a sixth year or seventh year senior but if somebody could find an extra year of eligibility for tanner mordecai uh, that would certainly be good now obviously he knows that's it for tanner and tyler van dyke's coming in but you're right this was the kind of performance that had badgers fans so excited in the offseason when you looked at everything he did at smu over the last two years it just very rarely materialized the broken hand against iowa certainly didn't help but he gave everything that he had he definitely did, and he got some help, right? He got some help from Will Pollen, got some help from Bryson Green, got some help from uh, – I'm not going to say our guy, uh, but I'm, I'm – uh, I don't know. Maybe you want to put our guy here, I'm, uh, Tretch Kekahuna. Um, get, or do you want me to just hold that into my, uh, to my own? You want to keep that uh, my me thing, or can we <laughs> say our guy? Uh, I, I certainly liked his skill set going into the season. He's one of the most intriguing players in that freshman class, so – I don't know if I'm ready to call him a guy, but he he gave what the fans wanted. I think. Yeah, he definitely he he definitely did. Um, it was a great performance from uh, the wide receivers in general. In general, there were there were a few drops here and there that I think they probably would like to have back. But that first drive, a lot of air raid. It was like, oh, that's what that looks like. You know, we haven't seen a ton of it. Throws down the field, the 41 yarder to Will Paul, and then the. The great, essentially a 50-50 ball that Bryson Green won up and won. Remember, remember at the beginning of the year when we talked about Bryson Green and, and 50-50 balls? They weren't really 50-50 balls. They were 70-30 or 80-20. Well, he showed right there that's kind of what we were talking about. 
never really materialized for much of the year. But um, the the thing about those guys is they both went over 100 yards. Will Pauling went over 100 yards. He had 100 yards in the first quarter. And then you obviously had Bryson Green go over 100 yards. That's the first time they've had two guys over 100 yards since the 2012 Rose Bowl. So it's been a while. It's been a while. And then obviously you get some nice running from Jackson Aker, career high in yards. The offense did a ton yardage-wise and points-wise. 31 is should be a win most games. But they put up 506 yards of offense. They put up 31, 31 points, and they lost. And that's the first time that's happened since that 2012 Rose Bowl game as well because the defense did not hold up. The defense uh, – and, you know, I, I even with – it being a backup in Garrett Nussmeyer, he still had all those weapons on the outside, right? He still had all the guys that could potentially, uh, you know, be such a big part of, uh, or was such a big part of that offense with Jane Daniels. For you, it had to be, it had to have been the lack of pass rush that stood out more so than guys getting beat down the field. I I, I know the guys got beat down the field. You know, Joe, uh, Nizier Forkering got benched, Alex Smith got one rep, and then he got benched, and they threw in Jones to clone, and he went the rest of the way. But it had to have been the lack of pass rush, which has certainly been an issue most of the year. I would wholeheartedly agree that it's got to be the lack of pass rush. To have a quarterback in Garrett Nussmeyer, who, by the way, was replacing a Heisman Trophy winner in Jane Daniels, look like a Heisman candidate himself is not ideal. And I totally understand that he had a ton of playmakers to work with, but he threw 45 passes and Wisconsin didn't register a single sack and only three hurries. He had all day to work back there, which allowed him to throw for 395 yards and three touchdowns. We knew that the defensive line had not been playing at a level that was necessary for the Badgers to be a high level defense this season. I mean, overall, the, the defense was okay, maybe even better than okay. But we're used to such high expectations and great performing defenses that it was like, what's going on with this group? And what's going on is they just didn't have enough playmakers. And I know that they tried to rotate. They rotated an awful lot in the front seven in particular. And I'm sure we'll get into it. The return of Aaron Witt, a lot of different players like TJ Bowlers. But whatever they put out there was just not effective enough in the front. And, and LSU was able to just kind of have a field day offensively, which is what LSU has done all season. And that is worth pointing out, even though they don't have Daniels. And that's a big, <laughs> that's a big, even though that's a big caveat because he accounted for 50 touchdowns. But LSU entered this game number one in the country in scoring offense and total offense. And you saw why, because of how many playmakers they had, particularly at wide receiver, where four different players caught a pass of at least 25 yards. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, they had eight. Well, they had eight plays of over twenty yards passing. Wisconsin had that exact same thing. You know what I mean? The difference, and again, I, this is why I don't want to talk a ton about the game, but I want to. I want to hit on a few points. I'm not going to belabor the point that uh, you know LSU has some weapons on the outside that you know Wisconsin's going to find very difficult to match up with. Just like every team in the country kind of <laughs> struggled to match up with uh, with with Jaden Daniels and everybody else. So. I'm not going to, I don't think that's worth talking about. They have to address the pass rushing situation. And I feel like they went about trying to do that in the transfer portal with some of the additions to those guys were forced to sit and watch today. But the other aspect of this game and why Wisconsin lost 35, 31, at least in my opinion, was uh, a couple of things. One, no killer instinct whatsoever. 
right? I mean, you get up double-digit leads twice. You're up 14-0, you're up 28-0, or excuse me, 28-14. I'll say this. I think the play that changed the game was Michael Fertney's holding call. Michael Fertney gets called for holding on a 46-yard completion to Vinny Anthony that would have put him inside the five-yard line, and it's 14-0, I think, at that point. Would have been an opportunity to go up 21-0, and maybe that game looks a little bit different. Probably does. But Wisconsin's inability to, to finish was difficult to watch, right? You go back and you go back and look at the 98-yard drive. The defense can't get off the field on a 98-yard drive. And then the offense tries to go back down, and you have Tanner Mordecai get sacked three straight times. It, that's not finishing. You know what I mean? That's that's not what they talked about all last offseason. That, that you didn't you were unable to finish. And then the other aspect of it is the lack of aggression from Luke Fickle. And how many times have you heard him say, we knew field goals weren't going to win this game? How many times have you heard him say? <laughs> a million, it feels Mul- like. <laughs> Multiple and, times. And, if, and yes. it feels like after games, it, it is. It's not before games. It's after games when he has settled for field goals, which he did a couple of times. A, a long 50-plus yarder that Nathaniel Bacos missed. And then obviously the fourth and um, – the uh, the decision, you know, you run three straight times inside the five-yard line, don't get anything out of it, and you kick the field goal there. That's the difference in the game. I mean, LSU didn't settle for field goals, and Wisconsin did. Yeah, there's a few differences in the game in my mind. And one, it's probably worth pointing out. Ricardo Holman got a seventh interception, had a really strong season. And on the other side, they just picked on whoever was out there. Nazir Forkering really struggled. Then they had Alexander Smith out there for a play, and – he gave up a pass, so they threw Jonas Duclona in there, a true freshman with a ton of talent, but that is a pretty big spot to be in there. And he gave up a, a massive play down the left sideline that led to the final touchdown. But I'm not going to put the blame on him or one player. This is an all-around issue. And this is part of the, my main story that I wrote for you, The Athletic off the game. It's more of a big-picture look about what this season has meant for the future. And I think it, it's very clear they have to be better everywhere and coaching is certainly included in that and luke is willing to acknowledge that there were some decisions that he could have done better he talked about that he wasn't aggressive enough and you're right he said field goals aren't going to be what wins this ball game which is something he said on multiple occasions but yet ops to kick that 21 yard field goal on a fourth and goal from the lsu three now at the time it gave wisconsin a 31 28 lead and I don't have a major issue with it other than the fact that if you're going to be the head coach and come out and say field goals aren't going to be what wins this game, if that's really, truly your thought process, then what are we doing here? Um, and and I'll obviously, the, the Vecos missing the 51-yard field goal wide left, They the another play that stands out, and it was kind of head-scratching in the moment, but it's late in the second quarter. There's 18 seconds left. Wisconsin calls a timeout on fourth and one from the LSU 36, and they call a run play to Jackson Aker up the middle, get, get stopped for no gain and a turnover on downs. It's like you went through all that late in the half to try and get something, and that's what you ended up with. So you can always armchair quarterback and second guess, but I think the head coach potentially second guessing himself opens the door for us to discuss this even further. But I think there were many opportunities this season where the coaching decisions were not what they needed to be, but the players didn't perform anywhere near the level. And, and this is maybe a separate discussion or a discussion for later in the show or during the off season, but they just have miles to go to get to a point where they're going to be the team that people hope they can be. And I don't see it getting any easier given how difficult the schedule is. 
and what this roster is going to be next season. I, there's just everything this year came with so much excitement. And to me, we're at a point now where they've gone seven and six again. And while there may be incremental improvements, uh, it's more of like, show me on the field before I believe what is possible for the program. I feel like I heard that before. Yeah. Pretty sure I said it last week. Um, <laughs> pretty sure I've written it a few times. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Um, it is. Yeah, that's it's the cycle, right? It's the cycle that we go through here. Um, but big picture. Probably would have been a very good question for Luke Fickle, but didn't ask it. So I'm going to ask it to you instead. Yeah. Wisconsin is seven and six. Mm-hmm. They were seven and six last year. What makes you believe, or I mean, you can go the other way with this if you want, but what makes you believe that this is heading in the right direction? And well, if, I think, or you can go the other way with it. Say it's not, Zach. So I think that's a different question from what makes me believe this. What this team is going to be any better next season? <laughs> um, maybe they're similar. I, I think it was a move that they certainly felt they had to make this program was just so stagnant at the end of the last regime. And I don't think one year is, um, you know, you don't write the full book on somebody after one year, but in my mind, I just feel, I don't know. I mean, we're around this every day, Zach. So we're maybe sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees or something like that. I kind of come away from this season with a greater level of skepticism about what's going to happen moving forward. And and that doesn't mean I don't believe that Luke Fickle can't turn this thing around. It's just, I'm, I'm looking at the roster for next season and I'm asking myself, okay, which positions do I think are going to be markedly better than they were this season? And I don't have the answers on all of that. And I don't think it's always, I don't think it's necessarily fair for me to make a hard and fast statement right now, because they've got a lot of transfer guys that I've never seen before. They also got a lot of transfer guys this past season. And again, I think what happened this season kind of serves a maybe a bit of an indictment on just pumping the brakes on that enthusiasm. I, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know, Zach. I just, 2024, their schedule is certainly not easy. And it's even harder in 2025. And I know that there is more to this than that. But you got Alabama in the non-conference. Then you got USC, Penn State, and Oregon. In 2025, you got Alabama on the road. And you've got... Michigan, Oregon, Ohio State, and Washington. And even if there is incremental change, again, I said this previously, does that mean you're going to be any closer to competing for those championships that Luke Fickle and Chris McIntosh have talked about? It's hard for me to see that right now. All right. Well, welcome to the new year. New Jesse. Happy New Year, Badgers fans. Um, So, again, I'm not going to sit here and disagree with anything you have to say there. I, I will say that there were things in this game that, and we got to talk to some players afterwards, that have me at least feeling like the offense can be somewhat what we thought it was going to be coming into this year. Now, again, they don't have Tanner Mordecai back. This would be uh, a lot easier to say if if he was coming back, and uh, <laughs> he's not. So, But when you look at what they did today, the, the uh, throwing the ball down the field was huge. I mean... Yes. It's something that we did not see a ton of this year. And it wasn't, you know, and it wasn't just like throwing up and hope it happens. They threw it up and they were open and they should have had more, right? You look at um, 
you look at the drop by CJ Williams, that was right on his yep. hand. Probably should have been either a you know a touchdown or right down inside the five yard line. Uh, the Vinnie Anthony play that got called back. They threw it down the field better than they have ever done it this year. And I you could make an argument better we've that we've seen since you know Alex Erickson or Jared Everett was you know running down the field on those play action bombs and Joel Stavi was throwing them down the field. You know, like they were. That was as good as they looked. And obviously, Tanner Mordecai is such a big part of that. Some of those balls were just right where they needed to be. But receivers made plays down the field. And I feel like you need to continue to give those guys the opportunity. We kind of talked about it on Tuesday when we were discussing what Phil Longo said, or not on whatever day it was that we, that we did a show, um, about him saying that there's there's some explosion in that room. Well, we saw it a little bit today. So I feel like if anything has me a little bit maybe uh, more confident going into next year is if you know Tyler Van Dyke – he's got the arm to do exactly what Tanner Mordecai did. He doesn't have the legs to, to move around like Tanner did, um, but he's got the arm. And, and I think the receivers kind of gave hope today that that's possibly what they could be next year. Now, again, LSU, we talk about how good their offense was. Their defense was almost as bad, especially, you know, uh, <laughs> being torched in through the air. So, uh, but Wisconsin hasn't done that to anybody this year. And they did it yeah. to, they did it to LSU. So if anything, that that would give me a little bit of confidence um, if I'm going to hang my hat anywhere. Where where I don't have a ton of confidence right now is that Tyler Van Dyke's going to be able to be protected behind the offensive line. Um, they they struggled mightily today, especially towards the, the end of uh, the game and that three-play sequence at the end. Um, and then defensively, I think they're going to be better in the secondary. I do. It's just, can they find another defensive lineman? And can they find someone that can consistently get home uh, and get after the passer? Because they, they they finished, I think, like 50th in the country with sacks, but it just wasn't consistent enough on a, on a regular basis. Um, and so, and we, we saw that today as much as anything. But there are there were some things today that kind of made you ha- have a little bit of hope, I think, moving forward. Um, I know you're, we're kind of asking th- those guys about that a little bit. Yeah, I realize I'm coming off as a bit of a negative, Nancy. Look, it's been a long five months, been a long year. Maybe that's part of what's going on here. But there is, there are some good signs here. You mentioned Will Pauling and Bryson Green, both going over 100. I really liked what I saw out of Trash Kekahuna. He also had a nice return on the, on kickoff, and he had a big-time third-down reception. You throw him the ball, and he's going to get it. He's got speed and shiftiness. So from that group, and Vinny Anthony, too, with the play that was taken away. That's a lot to be encouraged about. I think the challenge for me here is you are still starting over in a lot of ways when you get back to spring ball. And maybe it's not as big of a challenge as I think it's going to be because these guys have been a part of this system. And Bryson Green talked about it after the game. They've got a full year under their belt. They'll have two sets of spring practices, a full season where they can evaluate things. Everybody who played at wide receiver is presumably going to be back. But the Van Dyke piece is a really big part of the puzzle, and I don't know necessarily what that's going to look like. The running back situation you figure would be better because Ches Malusi will be back. On the other hand, he hasn't been healthy for a full season during his time at Wisconsin. We don't yet know what the backup situation looks like. Certainly like what Jackson Aker gave them during this game. He ran his butt off. He ran really hard. And I can't imagine that's been an easy situation for him because Kate Yakimelli actually started the game. And it wasn't until he got hurt that Aker 
took over in the primary role. And oh, by the way, a few days ago, Wisconsin just brought in a transfer portal running back and former Oklahoma tailback to Wee Walker. And when I was asking Jackson about that, he said the new the news is still kind of new. And it kind of <laughs> kind of sounded like he may not have necessarily been aware of that. But he also said late in the, the interview session that they'd had discussions about potentially using him as an H back. And I, mean, I think there's still a lot of changes to be made offensively. And I've got a lot of questions and and even the offensive line, you don't necessarily know what that's going to look like. So there's a lot of there were some good things to come out of this game, but I just have so many questions and am unsure about what it's going to look like next season, if that makes sense. It does. And I think that's that's uh, that's all fair right there. We will uh, I think maybe we'll dive into a little bit more long term stuff coming yeah. up uh, on Thursday night when we're back at Monks uh, in some prairie. But I did want to get to some of the Twitter questions that I got. And uh, as soon as I can find them, I will get to them. All right. A lot of positive ones, as you'd imagine. Our guy, Vitaly Pisetsky, says, until it changes, it's all about mental toughness. There was so much good in this game, but this defense won't work going forward. There's no question there, but I'm wondering if you agree. Well, I found it very interesting that multiple players after the game talked about confidence and belief. And those two words in particular come to mind when I think of the conversation that uh, we had with Hunter Wohler after the game. He talked about learning to finish by having this belief and this confidence. And he even said, you play Ohio State close and you play a game like talented team like LSU and you play them close and that can add to that level of belief and confidence. And yet <laughs> the Badgers didn't win either of those games. And there is something to be said for the mental toughness and for necessary to finish off some of these games it also comes down to execution and that is across the board i mean we've certainly talked about the defense and a little bit of the offense and the special teams wasn't great atticus bertram's had a 17 yard punt and daniel vacos missed a field goal and luke fickle's coaching decisions all that stuff adds up but i think that's got to be part of it it's just how do you figure out how to elevate yourself. Like, where do you get the mental toughness from? I thought they spent all offseason working on that mental toughness. You talked about how much Luke Fickle spoke to the team in the offseason about finishing. We were one and four in games decided in the fourth quarter last season, and they didn't finish any better this season. So I don't know how you get that, but I would agree uh, with Vitaly that that has got to be something that is an area of focus along with a, a number of other things. I, I mean, I asked Fickle what... If your focus all off season, it didn't do any you weren't any different this year. What yeah. do you do? And he said, I, you know, stop talking and start doing and stop trying to make proclamations about this and that. And, you know, your words are not going to get it done, your actions will. So that was one of his best answers, by the way. He said he said, uh, it, it doesn't just happen because you say it's going to happen. Well, we're gonna tackle better, we're gonna do this and that. He said, in reality, it's a lot of hot air. He talked about how they just, those statements don't mean anything. You are what you are when you put on film. And he said, we know darn well last year we didn't finish well. This year we didn't finish well. We didn't start well. So he said it gives us a hell of a lot of things that we've got to start work on here January 14th when our guys get back. I thought that was a really good uh, quote from Fickle. Yeah, for sure. Um, Kelly says, explain what you've seen this year from this staff that tells you that Luke Fickle is not another Gary Anderson or end of career Paul Christ. <laughs> there's a lot to that question i'm assuming that 
has to do in part with either on-field coaching decisions or clearly the results overall. I do think that there is a level of uh, tenacity that is unique to Luke. That's not to say other coaches don't want to win and have that desire, but he, I just feel like he's not going to settle for stand for this. Uh, he'll do everything in his power to make sure that something changes. And we do have his track record at Cincinnati to show that he was able to turn around a program. Of course, the difference is now you're in the big 10 and one of the most challenging conferences in the country, but they've really attacked recruiting. They're clearly going after guys and, and over recruiting other guys in the transfer portal. So it's not a one-year process. And I'm, I, I do think they've got, the right guy moving forward to try and turn this around, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. So I, I think those are two different things. Staff wise, I think is to me a, a question that yeah. is the staff in place that is going to be a part of this turnaround. And I don't think, look, year one is year one and you have to remember that. And that's, that's fine. But you have to at least acknowledge some of the issues that popped up this year and things that did not go well. And just like players have to be held accountable, staff has to be held accountable. So uh, I'm not going to point any fingers. I'm just saying if once if when you evaluate what happened on this season and you just come back with the same staff plus Kenny Guyton as your wide receivers coach, I don't know if that is necessarily um, the, the the best thing to do. Uh, but again, he's the one that has to, he's the one's getting paid $8 million to, to make those decisions. And we'll see. Um, but that it, it's a good question. And, and maybe that uh, um, is something that maybe we'll have to dig into and, and think about a little bit more as we go through the off season. Um, CT Badger says, is there a next generation of this offense that can function effectively in the red zone? And more importantly, inside the 10 yard line, um, obviously this, this play or this call or this, this question probably stems from, what happened uh, when you when they ran it three straight times after the Bryson <laughs> down there uh, and then kicked the field goal? I think that there is, but, you know, it's certainly, you know, yes. It's I think that there is, too. It's finding the dy- dynamic playmakers, and I don't know, maybe it just looks a little bit different when you have a Ches Malusi out there and you've got more opportunities and options. I do understand questioning taking the ball out of Tanner Mordecai's hands when he's been that hot. I don't know what that drive would have looked like. And I know there have been questions and concerns about Longo in the red zone from when he was at North Carolina. It's challenging, obviously. This this defense is built on stretching, or excuse me, this offense is built on stretching, stretching defenses vertically, horizontally, all over the field. And you've got a condensed situation when you're in the red zone. So the things that you do most effectively are in some sense negated at least a little bit. On the other hand, you know what you're getting into when you're calling plays and it's a 100-yard field, so you've got to figure out how to punch the ball into the end zone because, as Luke Fickle has said on multiple locations, field goals are not necessarily going to be what wins games. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. It's tough. Um, Aaron Witt, we talked about him for the last yeah. two years. He got to play a lot today. Any impressions whatsoever? TJ Bowler's also got some work along the defensive line. Any in initial impressions of what uh, those two guys potentially give Wisconsin? I think it's a uh, it's difficult, but ne- neither one yeah. neither one jumped out. I'll say that. Yeah, it's it's there just wasn't enough in terms of playmaking ability in that game to 
provide a definitive scouting report here. Witt had one tackle. Bowlers didn't have any. They also obviously used uh, Christian Allegro, and I think he had one tackle as well. Those are guys that people have been talking about certainly for a long time. It makes a lot of sense to have TJ Bowlers on the defensive line. He was playing at outside linebacker at 270 pounds. Maybe he should have been on the D-line earlier. So he had his hand in the ground and they used him in a couple of different ways. And Witt, they were rotating in. They put him and Jeff Petrowski in and just basically put them in for Daryl Peterson and CJ Gatz. It's tough because he had hadn't played a game in three years. That is a, just a ridiculously long time. And maybe with a full off season to be healthy, he can be one of those impact type players. We know way back when uh, his position coach, Bobby April said that he was kind of built differently. And that kind of length is unique, but not enough that I saw in this game to come away with any definitive impressions other than, Hey, the bowl game provided opportunities for a lot of people who haven't had chances to play and includes Nolan Ritchie, uh, unexpectedly, got a lot of snaps at left tackle because Jack Nelson went down with a lower body injury. So at least we got to see some new faces out there. We did. That was uh, that was that was good. That was fun. Um, I guess one more here. Um, again, I'll get some of these. Maybe I'll get to on Thursday. Um, Peter says, overreaction or no? The Badgers will not win the Big Ten in the next four years. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know the schedule after the next two seasons. Um, but <laughs> me being Mr. Positivity, I feel like have our roles reversed? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's not fair. But I, uh, I'm not seeing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look. But four years is a long time. I mean, I, I hope we're still doing this show then. I mean, they're going to go to Ireland in four years. They go, they went, they've gone four and three, nine and four, seven and six, seven and six. That's not winning the Big Ten. Nope. And it's certainly not winning the Big Ten with UCLA and USC and Oregon and Washington. So I don't think it's an overreaction to say that they won't win the Big Ten in the next four years. I think that's I, I think that's a completely reasonable uh, uh, thing to say. Um, and then one more here. Uh, way too early prediction for the Badgers record next season. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be markedly better. <laughs> I'm going to go eight and four in the regular season. This is coming from the guy, by the way, who predicted in August that Wisconsin would go 10 and and win the Big Ten West. Granted, many other people thought the Badgers would win the Big Ten West. That's why they were the favorite. But I'd just like to point out my uh, accuracy when it comes to predicting Wisconsin's record. I think the only year I actually got it right was 2017 when they went 12-0. and So I guess at the time that seemed like a bold prediction. On the other hand, their schedule stunk. Yeah. So it's very rare that I get that right. I just want to, in case anybody's panicking, let you know. Yeah. As we're doing this, uh, Michigan just stopped... Alabama, and is moving on to the national championship game. They will Can I get your record prediction, by the way? I was trying to get out of that. Damn it. Um, I'm sorry. What did you go with? So I can. I went with eight and four. I'll go seven and five. All uh, right. Well, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Well, no, but I mean, look, if you break down that entire schedule, 
Yes. Don't have a clue what Wisconsin may look like at that time. So to sit here and say they're going to be this or going to be that, we don't know that. Look at, I mean, we didn't know about a lot of guys that were on this team even at this point last year. I mean, there's still another day plus to have a chance to enter the transfer portal. So there, there are going to be guys that are not going to be here, and it's going to change the outlook of a season. And then there's going to be guys that are here in spring ball that are not here in the fall. And then there's going to be guys that weren't here in spring ball that will be here in the fall. That's just the way that this thing <laughs> goes, right? That's the way that this, mm-hmm. this whole thing plays out. So to sit here and say, I know what the record's going to be, I was the dumbass that said they were going to win a double-digit number of games in, in August, right? So what do Wait, I Wait, so was I. We're both dumbasses, I guess. Yes. We were. <laughs> we, we got caught up in it, and now we're going to go back the other way. But I feel like I feel like we're going to be more um, measured. I think we're more measured this time yep. around uh, than we were a year ago. I think some of us, I'm certainly including myself in that, got caught up in some of the talk and some of the things that were coming out and, you know, that that tends to happen. Even the media can get caught up in it sometimes. We did, and uh, th- this season was the one that followed. So, again, Wisconsin, I, I feel good about the long-term prospects. I don't know what seven – I don't know what next year is going to hold. I'll, I'll say seven and five just because I'm going to say seven and five. That's uh, Don't hold me to it. You didn't hold me to double digits uh, other than a few of you. So don't hold me to seven and five, and we'll just move on from there. Sounds good to me. All right. Jesse, uh, safe travels back to Madison, and we'll catch up on Thursday night. Going to be out at Monks in some prairie. We'll break uh, down even further, and obviously the transfer portal will be closed by then, so we'll have a, uh, a firm grasp on who may be here in the spring and who may not be, and uh, we'll jump into maybe some bigger topics, long, longer-range topics of the offense and the defense, uh, again, on Thursday night out at Monks in some prairie. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks to you, Zach. Safe travels as well. I've enjoyed doing this all season and to all the listeners who stuck with us all year. Thanks very much for sticking around and hearing what we had to say. I hope we can do it for a a lot more. Well, I I do appreciate that. We are going to be continuing. While it is the end of the season, it's not the end of the camp. We are going to continue here on uh, doing our our normal one episode a day or a week, and then obviously Temple and Heilprin, and we'll be back on the swing this week as well. So while it is the end of the season – uh, we'll be we'll be keeping it going, and um, hopefully, I can keep Jesse uh, in line and, and not being so negative all the time. We'll see. <laughs> yes, I've uh, gone to the other side. I guess I don't know. It's right. late, you know. It is. It's been a long year. It is. Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> all right, everybody. You've been listening to the camp. <laughs>